You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Amen, amen. Do take your seats. Thank you. A very warm welcome to all of you here in the room and also those joining us online. Just a a joy to be together in the house of God. And uh, yeah, as I've just said, what a prayer. Lord, have your way in me. If you pray one prayer, let that be your prayer and everything else will flow out of that. And uh, what an inspiration, uh, Machado and Rumbi. And I guess that's the posture of their lives. Lord, have your way in us. And you see some things happen. I I know Steve said we're kind of out of time. I do just want to drop one thing in out of their story because it's so beautiful and it just encourages us when we align ourselves to the purpose of God. He has everything in hand. So when Rumbi's 21 cases were all dealt with, she's at a point of needing to sell her, her law business. She gets a phone call out the blue from someone saying, do you, I don't suppose you do, but does, do you happen to know anyone that wants to sell a law business because I'm looking to buy a law business? To which Rumbi's able to go, uh, yeah, actually, it's me, it's me. And, uh, and so I understand was able to sell her business and then get reemployed back in her own business. So this, you know, the Lord just takes care of everything when we align ourselves to him. Well, I know that Christmas for many is coming into view, and uh, I can even see one or two Christmas jumpers in the room today. I know some of you love to make an early start. Just give me a wave if you've got your decorations up already, if you do decorations. Um, I know some of you are like, decorations are like, September, they were up, you know, and, and some of you are like, like, what, Christmas are I'll get to it Christmas just like if you're like no way it's way too early just give me a wave if you're like I'll think about it on Christmas Eve okay awesome I get it um, I understand like by now you might think we're going to shift into a Christmas focus I, we will do that from next Sunday I understand an Advent Christmas focus but today um, I want to prepare us begin to prepare us and prepare our thinking for what probably will be, certainly should be, and could be the most important season in our whole year next year as a church, which is 21 days of prayer in January. And I want to speak into it now so that we're not speaking into it the day before we go live and people go, ah, I wasn't ready. But actually we can start to think and prepare our hearts and our minds and our diaries and those of us that plan. I want to tell you it is coming up 10th to the 20th of Jan. We're going to take 21 days uh, as a church to pray. And uh, for those of us that are able to engage in fasting in some way to pray and also to fast. Uh, we, uh, Esther and myself next year will have been here in Coventry for 10 years and uh, the Lord called us to be part of this great church. One of the things we did from the get-go was introduce prayer and fasting. We believe in prayer and fasting. And today I want to speak for a few minutes on the importance of prayer and fasting and uh, begin to sow some seeds towards 21 days in January. I I think it's fair to say from us arriving at CLM, we introduced four times through our year, every quarter, when as a church we're going to pray and fast, either a week or three days. And then uh, three years ago, we felt the Lord speak to us to go deeper and press in. And for the first year, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. And it was so good. It was so incredible as we journeyed together in that space, just setting 
taking the whole year and our lives are fresh ahead of him. We were like, we can never go back from this. And it's become part of our rhythm. And so in January, we're going to go again. The importance of prayer and fasting. I should say, I'm excited about this. Now, I know some of you think, oh, prayer and fasting, that sounds terrible. I would say, I'm super excited about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting has been such an incredible key in my own life, uh, learning to push into God, to go deeper. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 17. Most of you know, I've told my story hundreds of times, but uh, uh, probably in my first year of coming to faith, I felt the Lord speak to me about fasting. I don't think I'd heard about people fasting. Uh, I don't know, maybe I had done. I don't remember that I had. What I do remember is I was praying for a friend who wasn't a Christian to become a Christian. And in one of those rare moments where, I don't know if you have this, it's like you're literally in dialogue with the Holy Spirit. I'm praying and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, are you serious? And I was a little bit taken aback. I was like, what do you mean are you serious? Of course I'm serious. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, fast. And I said, what? Fast? Like how long? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, for two days. Now at that point in my life, I'd never missed a meal. And I'd normally have multiple snacks between meals. And two days sounded like a horrendous uh, thing that I'd, I wasn't sure whether I was going to die or live, but I knew it was the Lord, and uh, I remember fasting for the first time. The, the great thing coming out of that is the friend I was praying for gave his life to Christ, but much more than that, I experienced something that was a game changer in my walk with God. As I denied the appetites of the flesh, and I focused and let my spirit be, be centered on the Lord, uh, I experienced His presence at a, a level that I'd never experienced experience before, a continual awareness of the Lord, and something, it's like I just shifted gear to another level, and so the introduction was made. Uh, as a young guy, I used to take the first week of the year, typically take some annual leave, try and find somewhere if I could go away, if I could get a friend and rope them in to come with me, uh, we'd go and we would pray and fast for the first week of the year. Just a time to, to pray, to read the Word, to worship, to speak in tongues, to rest, to listen, to be at peace and to say, Lord, here I am, and this year is yours. And it was always incredibly special and always experienced something. Uh, not necessarily every minute of every day, but during those times, there would be some encounter that was just priceless, just priceless. Remember the first time stepping up to do a 21-day fast in my 30s. Just came to a place. I, I wasn't at a crisis. I didn't need an answer to prayer. I just wanted to push deeper into God. And I wasn't sure how to do it other than to just seek Him with everything that I'd got. And I remember taking these 21 days and pursuing God. And it was so beautiful. It was so awesome. And I had one of the most incredible encounters with God in my life. If I look back, 30 years of walking with him, I could pinpoint as part of that time something profound that happened in my world. Here, as a church over the last 10 years, uh, we can honestly say every time that as a church we prayed and fasted, something has shifted. Often there are things behind the scenes that aren't appropriate to talk about on the pulpit, but almost every time when we pray and fast, something changes, something shifts. We've been walking in miracles and, and things change. And, and can we prove to you it was because we prayed and fasted? No, we can't. But it's very interesting that every time we pray and fast, 
something moves, something changes. We shared the story not long ago about the mortgage and the bank manager. We had another incident that some of you would have been around for, some of you wouldn't. We have a few car parking spaces here. But uh, when we came to the church, this amazing facility had just been built. The main parking space was a little bit of undeveloped land, just a stone's throw away. It was the only bit of undeveloped land really in the vicinity, and we were able to use it for parking. But it was a bit of a time bomb because we kind of knew that actually it's going to be developed at some stage. And certainly, probably we'd been about a year. There was a knock on my door on a Friday afternoon. I remember it. And it was October. And someone was saying, hey, we've just had notice that we can't use the land anymore for parking uh, beyond the end of this year. Now, the, the reality is that, that right opposite us, there is a beautiful car park owned by the Techno Center. Uh, owned by Coventry University. Well, well, my Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, so really it's the Lord's, but kind of people think it's, uh, it's the university's. I'm aware this is going out on YouTube, so I need to be careful what I say. I've probably already said too much. But, but here's the thing that, that we really, like, we would have loved to be able to use that car park. And the reality is all other options aren't actually that great for us. And so um, what happened was straight away, somebody unbeknownst to us as leaders went over and engaged with the decision maker at that time, we were running conferencing here in our building Monday to Friday, and, and so were they. Someone went to engage to say, could we use your car park on a Sunday? And the decision maker, seeing us as a competition, was like, absolutely no way. We don't have anything to do with those guys over the road. So uh, then this person went back and said, well, could, could you ask the decision maker if he'd possibly have a meeting with our pastor? And, uh, and, and, and so this person asked a question, and the answer came back, absolutely no chance. I don't, I don't want to meet with anybody from over there. But we had a week of prayer and fasting. And I remember us committing it to the Lord, saying, oh God, would you help us? Praying and calling on the Lord, but confessing and, and crying out to him. I remember at the end of that week, it was a Friday night. It was probably like one o'clock in the morning coming into Saturday. I was the last one leaving the last prayer meeting. My car was in this car park, came to the edge. I stopped and I'm looking over at the car park. It's November at this time. I said to the Lord, what I want for Christmas is the Techno Center car park. And I remember the next week, before we really had a chance to do anything, some of our clients for our conference parked in their car park by mistake. And a different manager came over quite angry to tell us off. But as she walked through the doors of this church, she was impacted by the presence of God. She came to tell us off and ended up saying, what is this place? Is this a church? And Tony Williams, who's one of our elders, said, yeah, it is a church. And they started to talk. She said, it feels different in here. She said, and what do you do for car parking on a Sunday? And he says, well, it's funny that you should ask. <laughs> and by the end of that week, the guy who'd said no, no, and definitely not came over and shook my hand and said, keep up the great work. And on the 1st of January, we had a lease and permission to use that car park. Now, I... And, and I thank God. And they've become such a great partner and, and such great help and great friends over the road. And we work together and we're so grateful for their help and their provision. But also, I, I can't prove to you that it was because we prayed and fasted, but it was the only thing that we did do. There's something about prayer and fasting. There is something that changes when we pray and fast. Next year, we're going to call our 21 days of prayer, pray first. Can we all say pray first? Pray first. I don't know about you, there can be a tendency in so many of us where we run into trouble and we try our best and we do everything we can and we ask several friends and we Google it and we still can't get through and then we pray. 
But why do we not get into the habit of pray first? Here as a staff team, we try and engender the habit of pray first in pretty much all of our meetings, whether it's elders, a board meeting, a, a planning meeting, it's finances, it's logistics. We'll pray. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come and help us. Bring your higher wisdom here. We need you. We need it to pray first. One of the things next year, as we have these 21 days, we could be cracking on with ministries and mission, full tilt, and there's plenty to go at. But actually, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to say, Lord, unless you build a house, the builders labor in vain. But it's also an opportunity for us personally to come at the start of 2022. My goodness. We have all walked through so much in the last 20 months, haven't we? But to come at the start of next year and say, Lord, here we are. Here I am. I I come to you. My eyes are upon you. Like Jehoshaphat says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And pray first before we head into much more. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, I tell you, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And he goes on to talk about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and how God clothes them and provides so beautifully for them. And then he says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. One of the ways we can seek first is to pray first is to come and pray and fast. For a moment, why should we fast? Well, two thoughts for us. Number one, for because fasting is part of the normal Christian life. Watchman Nee in his classic book, The Normal Christian Life, doesn't speak about the commonplace Christian life today, but the biblical mandate, the biblical bl- blueprint for what normal Christian living should be. In that sense, I want to say fasting should be part of the normal Christian life. The reality is much of the church has lost the priority of fasting, but as we look at the Bible, we see that actually fasting should be part of the believer's life. Luke 4, Jesus himself, before he launches into public ministry, is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and he fasts. The Bible says he eats nothing for 40 days and then he was hungry. That's what the Bible tells us. And then he was hungry and then he comes out of that time of fasting and temptation And he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus undertakes this significant fast before he launches his ministry. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, when you pray, and then he gives them the blueprint of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. We would all understand as believers, we should pray. When you pray. And then the next thing he goes on to say is, and when you fast... If we understand that prayer should be part of the believer's life, in the same way Jesus says, and then when you fast, and give some instruction about fasting, as if it should be entirely normal. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15, Jesus is asked why the disciples don't fast like John the Baptist's disciples do and the Pharisees. And he says that the the bridegroom is is with his people, but when he is taken from them, 
then they will fast. He's speaking about his believers. Then I'm with them. This is a different season. But when I go, they will fast. And then we see in the book of Acts how they do fast. In Acts 13, uh, verse 2, it says, while they were worshipping and fasting. It's like a throwaway line. While they were worshipping and fasting, the Lord spoke to them and said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that I'm sending to. And the gospel goes and is spread because God mandates Saul, who becomes Paul, and Barnabas to go on their missionary journeys. While they were worshipping and fasting, they're just taking the time to fast, to worship, to enjoy the presence of the Lord, and God speaks. And then it says, once they had prayed and fasted, they sent them out. So the God speaks to them while they're worshipping and fasting, and then they have a time of prayer and fasting before they commission them to go. In Acts 14, uh, Paul and Barnabas are appointing elders in all the churches where they go, and it says they did so with prayer and fasting before they lay hands on them and commission them. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 27, speaks about his hardships, his leadership, and he says he has been in fastings often. I could go on. Maybe you've never fasted before. Maybe you feel daunted by the prospect of fasting. Of course, we would advise that that if you're medically advised to do so, if you're pregnant, probably if you're young, under 18, although I know many under 18s that have fasted, but we have to be careful with our children. I think if you have an eating disorder, if you struggle normally to take on board the, the healthy amount of calories, maybe there's a different form of fasting that you can take. But for most of us, I want to suggest that fasting sometimes should be part of our normal rhythms before God. It's normal to do so. My second thought is that prayer and fasting helps us to get connection right. So much of the, the Christian walk is about connection, isn't it? It's about being connected to God and also about, about being less connected or disconnected from the things of the world. In our house, in our street, we have had the poorest Wi-Fi that I know of anybody. We've been on dial-up. Like literally, our average, for those of you who are into this thing, our average upload and download speeds are 7 meg per second. Now with the, I know, and, and uh, like some of you are going, I'll fast, but give me, give me Wi-Fi, right? So um, it's been pretty terrible, and with a house of three teenagers going through lockdown. But this year, full fiber has come to our street. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. The guy from City Fiber knocked on my door, and I said, you are so welcome here. And he said, you are the seventh person to say that to me. <laughs> Full fiber has come. On Wednesday, full fiber came to our house. And on Thursday, our router arrived. But I was busy. And so what, meant, what it meant was for a few hours, we had the potential for 910 meg per second compared to seven. Only I was too busy. Hello? <laughs> now, it is set up now. We are on. And it has been a game changer. But do you know what? The Christian life can be a bit like that. There is full power available. And yet we can be too busy to plug in. We can be too busy to connect. And one of the greatest ways to connect is through prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage us that as we look ahead in January, to think, okay, how can I get on board? Because I want to be fully connected. The Bible tells us that we are spirit, soul, and body. The world tells us we're body, soul, and spirit, but the Bible tells us we are spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5. Something happens when we pray and fast. It fuels the spirit. 
while denying the body and disciplining the soul. Hear me right, that fasting will not impress God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. It isn't a punishment through which we earn brownie points. It is a way that we allow our spirit to come first. And the other things, the appetites of our lives through body and soul that can dominate so easily to get put in their rightful place at least for a season. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21, the Bible tells us that a man came to Jesus saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire, sorry, and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, this was unusual because Jesus has already authorized the disciples and they've gone out casting out demons and healing the sick and proclaiming the kingdom. And Jesus said, oh, and notice this, faithless and perverse generation. Oh, faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation. Hold on to those two thoughts. Faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation. And then he says, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of him and the child was cured at that very hour. Later, the disciples came to Jesus in private and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. For nothing is impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, some of the manuscripts don't have prayer and fasting, just have prayer. And I understand this can be a slightly troublesome verse, but I think the principle holds true either way, that through prayer and fasting, we can overcome unbelieving and perverse. You see, unbelieving and faithlessness is linked to a lack of connection to God. When we connect to God, our faith increases. When we walk with God, we see from his perspective the things that looked impossible suddenly seem possible when we are connected to the Lord. Am I right? So there's something about overcoming faithlessness when we pray but also perverse, which means contrary. And in this context, contrary to the things of God, i.e. overly connected to the world, can be changed when we fast and we come away from the things that we can be overly focused on. You know, for me, when I fast, it's not just from food. Some of the things around social media, some apps, some things that I would watch, or YouTube or TV or Netflix, whatever is your thing, social media, TikTok. We can have a time of saying, all of these things, they are coming into my world. I might say polluting our world. They can make us perverse in that sense of contrary against the things of God. But to have a time where we come and instead of being faithless and perverse, we are connected to God and disconnected from the things of the world. Chris Hodges in his teaching on prayer and fasting makes just a great point around this, unpacking this in greater detail than I have done. Prayer, connection to God, fasting addresses connection to the world. I want to encourage us, friends, in some way, to pray and to fast. I'm saying it now so that you can look ahead into January and think, I need to plan for this. I need to prepare for this. So real quick, how should we approach prayer and fasting? We're going to produce some booklets as we have done the last few years. We'll put more details in there. If you've never fasted before, well, there'll be some practical tips around the cold and bad breath and caffeine and, and all stuff like that that's also important to be aware of if you've never fasted before. But let me give us six quick tips 
groups here. Number one, make room. Make room. Fasting without prayer is starvation and it is miserable. Amen from the back, Kachi. We've been there, right? We've tried and then we've got too busy and all we did was fast and didn't do so much prayer. And it's starvation. We've got to make room. I want to encourage us to look at our diaries if we can, see how can I make some space for God? What can I do? What can I cut out? Uh, right now, to look at your diary in January, probably most of us, we are loaded to the end of the year, but January, we haven't really booked too much in yet. Well, we can look and think, how can we make room in this time? I know many people here in this church take some time, take the, a day of annual leave or something like that, change rhythms just to do whatever we can. Monday the 10th to Sunday the 30th of January. Secondly, plan well. In my personal experience, and I know not everybody finds fasting as easy as I have, by the grace of God, been able to find it. But I find that fasting is 90% in the mind and only 10% in the stomach. Once I've set my mind, I'm good to go. But it means there needs to be some planning to plan well. Plan what I'm going to listen to. Plan a worship playlist for that time. Plan where I'm going to go and be. Is there, a, is there a chair or a space or something, somewhere where I can go and pursue God in that time? What I'm going to read in the Bible and outside of the Bible? Are there some Christian books that will inspire my faith? What am I going to do and what am I not going to do? What am I not going to watch? What am I not going to engage with? What apps am I going to delete for that period of time? And what am I going to pray for on a daily basis? What am I going to come after God for and bring to Him? Are there some things that I'm expecting we can plan well? We often say here, it's not what you fast from, but what you fast to that makes the biggest difference. I'm not saying that we shouldn't fast from food, but actually if we're obsessed with what I'm not going to eat rather than what I am going to do, we can get caught in the trap of fasting and not praying. But actually, how am I going to come after God in this time? Thirdly, decide your type of fast. There are different types of fast. You can do a full fast, which is typically water only, or a juice fast, which is like a full fast, but with fruit juice, maybe at mealtimes, which can be incredibly sustaining. A Daniel fast, which might eliminate certain foods like meats and treats. A partial fast, maybe only eating one meal a day or, or nothing before 6 p.m. or something like that. Or a soul fast that could be part of your fast anyway, but particularly if food is, is a difficult area in your life or as a young person, maybe just to come off certain social media or to limit certain things. Not just to limit them, but to create the space to spend time in prayer, as Alan Hewitt said here, to come off Facebook and into his book. Now, I know the younger generation doesn't know what Facebook is, but, um, but you get the point that actually we eliminate certain things to make room. Decide your type of fast, and there'll be more information in the booklet. Why didn't the band come and join me? Fourthly, to journey with God. This might sound like a really silly thing to say, but I know out of my own experience and others how easy it can be to get into prayer and fasting and somehow fall into the trap to think that we are proving something to God, that we're doing something for Him when He wants to walk it with you. I remember when I, I was doing my first ever 21-day fast, and I was so excited. But when I got to it, I was so intense. And in the first morning, like 9 o'clock, I arrived at this place where I was going to seek the Lord. I spent the first hour reading the Bible. I spent the second hour speaking in tongues. And I started to praise and worship in the third hour. And I was singing, and nothing was happening. It was as if God was not there. And after about half an hour of trying to get through to God, I said, Lord, what's going on? And I felt him say, Martin, relax. 
And I thought, you know, if I took Esther on a date and we went to a restaurant and I said to her, this is going to be a really special evening. We're going to have a really great time. Who knows, she'd be going, help! Somebody help! With God. Come with God. When it's tough to say, Lord, this is tough right now. Come and help me. Because he wants to journey with us. Journey with God. Approach it with that sense of enjoying him and letting him walk with you. Fifthly, journey with others. It's been so powerful for me and I know for many of you to fast privately sometimes. But it's also a great joy and a help when you know other people are also praying and fasting. And here... At CLM, we're going to have times in life groups and times to pray with others and a rhythm of prayer meetings and we can seek to join and be together and it will be such a help and such a blessing. And finally, expect results. As we said, we don't impress God. We don't earn anything from Him. We don't come to say, I'm fasting so that you will then give me or you will then do or you will then... But here's the reality. In the Bible, when people prayed and fasted, things changed. In Esther, when they prayed and fasted, God came through for them. In Judges, when the people of God prayed and fasted, God delivered them. In Ezra, the same. In Chronicles, when Jehoshaphat called his people to pray and fast and to seek him and cried out in that place, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God sent an incredible rout against their enemies and delivered them supernaturally with the singers at the head of the army. When we pray and fast, things happen. I want to encourage us as we engage, we'll expect certain things. In 1 Samuel, God says, I will honor those who honor me. And as we come and pray first, as we set our hearts to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to step into 2022 with you first. I'm going to clear some space. I'm going to change some rhythms. And I'm coming after you because I love you and I want you. And I want you to build this house. And I want to take on board that unless you build the house, whether that's your life or your household, then the builders labor in vain. All the things I could be on with, I'm going to come to you first. I want to encourage you as you honor him, he'll honor you. And you're not twisting his arm, but you won't escape his favor when you take him seriously. For some of us, it will be a gateway for breakthrough. For some, a springboard to the next level in God. For some of us, as we seek him first and pray first, some of the other things that we might have been running after will be added to us as well, according to the promise of God. Psalm 25 says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. When we come and pray and fast, it's an expression of our fear of the Lord. We're saying, Lord, you are awesome. You are a holy fire. I recognize who you are and I align myself to you. In a healthy way, the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says he's a friend such as these. I understand this message is one to take away and plan and prepare. But as we bring this time to a close online here in the room, I wonder, can we stand together? I wonder if we can just begin to open our hearts and respond in our hearts to him. Maybe right now you feel a long way from God. Maybe you're in a season that's just become over busy and distracted, harassed. Maybe you just feel battered by what you've been walking through. Maybe you feel spiritually dry. Let's come to him. 
praying last night, I sensed there's some young people, maybe some teenagers here today in these two services and just feeling a long way from God, feeling distanced, but not, not without a heart that would actually desire God. I want to remind you that He loves you and He welcomes you home. And even as we bring our service to a close, I just invite you to open your heart to Him. Right across this room in our home, why don't we just begin to pray before the band lead us. Lord, we need you. Lord, we love you. Lord, forgive us when we get so distracted. Forgive us, God, when we, our hearts are, are turned elsewhere and our minds are turned elsewhere. We recognize we need you more than anything. We pray, would you come? Come and meet us where we are, Lord. I pray, God, today for every person that is feeling dry spiritually. Thank you, Lord, that you don't come to condemn. You welcome us home. Come, Holy Spirit. We seek to draw near, Lord. We need you. We love you. Your presence is so beautiful. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your invitation. Come have your way in us.